Well, good morning. My name is Bruce. I'm the middle. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm the middle school pastor here at Wise Out of Free, and it is my pleasure to share with you this morning. But before we get started, the most important question that I'm going to ask you this morning is who hears Laurel? And anybody hear Yanny? And and you're wrong. So your brain doesn't work. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I play that because we are talking about hearing. We are talking about the spiritual senses. This morning I'm going to talk about hearing. And that, which if you don't know what that is, that's okay. Um, but that was something that was sweeping social media a couple weeks ago. That is an illustration to show just how complicated hearing actually is. We would like to think that hearing is simple. You hear something and you're done. And it's not that simple, it's complicated. And so we're going to talk about the sense of spiritually hearing and how that's complicated as well. And we're going to do that as part of our series that we're doing on the spiritual senses. So we've been unpacking the physical senses and using them as a guide to work through our spiritual senses. How do we touch experience touch spiritually, that we can be touched by God and touch others? How do we be a pleasing fragrance to God? How do we taste and see that the Lord is good and experience God's goodness? How do we see where God is at work and plug in? And we've been going through this and it is my joy, did I get them all? Did I get them all? Fragrance, smell. And how do we leave, did I do that one? I don't remember. We did them all. And I'm doing hearing this morning and I'm excited to do that to talk about hearing. I'm going to talk about the spiritual sense of hearing, moving away from simply hearing with our physical ears to hearing spiritually with our spiritual ears. And I'm going to start with this, which sounds really simple, but oftentimes we don't hear because we don't hear, right? And, and we don't hear because we choose not to hear. And I remember as a kid, my mom would come up to me and say, Bruce, you're not listening to me. And I would look at her and go, of course I'm listening to you. I heard the words you were saying. I listened to the words that were coming out of your mouth and went and did my own thing. Right? And because as a kid, I struggled with the distinction between hearing and listening. And and as a parent now with four children of my own, I understand completely the difference between hearing and listening. Right? And we all know that there's a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference between hearing what somebody says and listening to what they say. And we all know that because we've all been in that situation where you're listening to somebody talk and they're talking away and you're kind of thinking about what you're going to say in response and you're thinking about what you're going to do for dinner. And all of a sudden they stop talking and you realize they asked you a question and you have no idea what that question is. And you're sitting there with the, with the choice of, do I pretend I heard and agree to something, or do I ask them to clarify what I was supposed to already be listening to? And if we do the same thing spiritually. We do the same thing spiritually. We oftentimes don't hear because we choose not to hear. And I'm going to unpack a little bit Israel's history briefly as a guide, and then I'm going to get into four practical steps to improving our spiritual hearing. And I'm going to start in Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 is the start to what is known as the Shema. In, in, in Judaism, the Shema is, Shema is the Hebrew word for hear, and it is the first word in the passage, hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. 
Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frame of your houses and on your gates. You see, in God's mind, hearing was not enough. Look at how much of that was active listening. Impress, talk, write, tie, bind. This was supposed to be more than just something they read. More than something they just heard. They were to engage fully in active listening. One of the least successful forms of communication, and believe me, I get the irony in this right now, is listening to somebody speak. (laughs) One of the least successful forms of communication. You want people to learn something, you have them do active listening. You have them engage with it. You have them write it down. You have them uh, play with it, manipulate it, right? That's what he's doing. God wanted his word to the people of Israel to be more than something they heard. He wanted it to be something that completely permeated who they were. He wanted it to be active, And we'll fast forward a little ways into Jeremiah. So we're going to jump ahead hundreds of years in Israel's history. And they've had an opportunity to apply this and have not done it well. We are in Jeremiah chapter 7, the first eight verses. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. So imagine this, you're walking into church this morning and somebody was standing out in the parking lot before you came in and was yelling at you. That's what Jeremiah is doing. He's standing out in front of the temple before people came in to worship. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow, follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless." Which is a little bit of a redundant statement. When have you heard deceptive words that were worthful? When has somebody told you a lie and you went, you know, that's really good. I should remember that. Right? You are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless, that are empty. See, what had happened is the people of Israel had decided that hearing God's word was enough. Having the title of God's people was enough. They didn't need to let it permeate who they were. They didn't need to let it fill who they were. And so they were walking into worship on, on the Sabbath, walking into temple and going, I went to temple, I'm safe. This is the temple, we're God's people. We're safe. We can go out and do whatever we want now because we went to temple. And God is saying, that's not it. That's not what I want. I want it to completely fill and permeate you. I want it to be a part of who you are, and it's not. You're coming to temple. You're saying you're God's people, but you're not acting in accordance. You're hearing, but not listening. Right? God's call was to be active hearers, and the Israelites throughout history in the Old Testament, didn't do a great job of being active hearers. 
They outwardly listened to the words, this is the temple, but did not internalize it. They failed to hear spiritually what was being said to them physically, right? And we fall for that same mistake all the time. We hear God's word and we fail to hear it spiritually, right? One last passage for you. Um, Micah 6, 6 through 8 says this. And just, again, highlights the problem going on. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. He doesn't want empty worship. He doesn't want devotion to him in name only. All throughout Israel's history, he was pleading for them, I want your heart. I want you to be fully committed to me. I want you to hear what I'm saying, not just with your physical ears, but with your spiritual ears. I want it to fill you. And Israel was content walking away with the name, with the title, with hearing the words physically and moving on. Kevin has repeatedly referenced an article as he's been doing this series about how, uh, that he read, I think in New York, about how all of the senses um, except vision are internal. You know, vision is out there. I see you. I can see things far away. I, I can see things, you know, w- without really being in close proximity to them. But all of the other senses are more internal than that, right? All of the other senses. I can't touch anything without getting close to it. I can't taste anything without putting it in my body. Right? And, and, and hearing is the exact same. I can hear something far away, but not until the sound waves have reached my body. Not until it has interacted with me closely. Right? And, and, and as a kid, I remember going to the 4th of July. I grew up in Brainerd. Uh, for anybody that's been up there for the 4th of July, they have a giant natural bowl amphitheater that they shoot the fireworks over top of. And so you can lay down on the football field and they shoot the fireworks above you. And my favorite thing to do was to lay down in the field and, and my favorite firework was the one that was really loud. The big boom. It didn't have to have a lot of color or pizzazz. I loved feeling it shake my entire body. I loved feeling the thump, right? We've all experienced this when we've been at a stoplight and somebody pulls up in a car next to you with the bass cranked up, right? You are experiencing their music whether you like to or not. And so is your car. And I've been in my car and watched the windows vibrate, right? Sound is something we experience. Hearing is something that's supposed to permeate our entire being. We feel it all the way through our body. This is where we're supposed to be. Routinely we see that God's focus is on the internalization of his message rather than on the words themselves. And yet for, for some of us, hearing physically is not equal. And the same is true spiritually. We have barriers we need to overcome to be able to hear spiritually. Just like for some of us, we have barriers we need to overcome to hear physically. I have done a lot of things in my life to, that I should have more problems with hearing than I do started off when I was a little kid. Uh, when I was a little kid, I was born with, and I'm sure some doctor will come up and correct my medical understanding of this. I didn't clear this with anybody, but I, I, I needed tubes. And my understanding was because I had narrow canals in my ears, I needed tubes to relieve the pressure. I got a lot of ear infections as a kid. 
And, and as anybody who gets lots of ear infections um, can attest, they're painful um, and, and they're not worth having again. And I decided that the best thing I could do would be to go out for swimming. And so I went out for swimming, and if you swim and you have narrow ear canals or whatever that cause you to get ear infections, water gets in behind your ear, gets stuck in there, and you get another ear infection. And I remember in high school doing a flip turn, and and that was enough water pressure on my infected eardrum to cause it to rupture, which is not a pleasant experience. And 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 I decided that swimming was still going to be my my sport, and so I have all these ear infections. And then I decided to join the drum line. And so I played percussion in high school in marching band, and then I joined a rock band and didn't wear ear protection. And so several years ago, I had a doctor look in my ears and go, it's amazing that you don't have hearing loss already. And the reality is there are going to be some hurdles probably later in my life when that catches up to me. I'm going to have some hurdles to overcome when it comes to my hearing. And some people sitting in this room due to age, due to whatever, have some hurdles to overcome when it comes to their hearing. The good news is with age, I will probably deteriorate in my quality of hearing physically, but I have the possibility of improving my spiritual hearing. That isn't tied to my age. That is something that I can overcome. I cannot change the fact that I used to get lots of ear infections. I cannot change the fact that I was the kid who had the bass cranked up in his car that pulled up next to you. I can't go back and undo those things and somehow fix that, but I can do things to to spiritually improve my hearing. And if you're a person sitting here today who's going, I really wish I could hear God's voice in my life, I want to give you four ways that you can improve your spiritual hearing today. Four steps that I think you can undertake to begin improving your spiritual hearing. If you're somebody who doesn't have a relationship with God that's here today, let me challenge you that that is step one for you. If you want to hear God's voice, you need to have a relationship with God. And I would encourage you to pull aside the person that brought you here or somebody on staff here and and ask them how to do that. If you're a person that knows Jesus and you go, I don't feel like I'm hearing him like I should, I would encourage you to apply these four practices. Number one, listening as a discipline. Spiritually listening is a discipline. It is something we have to do. It's not something that will happen naturally. Listening to God is up to you. God speaking to you is up to him. But that means you need to put yourself in a spot to hear him. You need to discipline yourself and put yourself in a position where you can hear God's voice. Be open to hearing God's voice and practice listening for it. And as with anything, you'll need to step out in faith. You'll need to try things. If you think you hear God speaking to you, you'll need to try and put it into practice. That's what God wants. And one of the biggest challenges that I think we face to hearing God is the modern tempo of our lives. It used to be, and I'm not that old, but it used to be back when I was in high school, I would have friends over and we would watch a movie and somebody would look at me and go, that guy in the movie, who is he? And we'd go, eh, eh. And we'd move on. And now technology has made it so much that we can sit there and go, who's that guy? I recognize him. Oh yeah, he was the janitor in that other movie. Oh right, the janitor. Technology is, in, is, is crazy. It's a benefit. The fact that you can pull out your phone right now and sign up for serve day is a huge benefit. 
but it's also increased the tempo of our lives. And I have a video clip I would like to show that I think illustrates this. But Holland comes in for a pit stop. Time to refuel and change tires. Lou Moore himself changes the tires. Only four crew members, including the driver, are allowed to work on the car. It's a tense time. Holland stays in his seat, anxious to get away. Let's watch. For those of you wondering, the hammer is to loosen the big lug nut on the tire. She's pounding away. There's one tire. the guy up front who now now decides to polish the windshield and he is going to polish polish that windshield it is going to be the cleanest windshield ever to be on the indy 500 time for a new rag the tires are changed at last a crewman polishes the windshield as holland moves away just 67 seconds after he stops Anybody notice a difference? I mean, aside from the fact that the second group did all four tires, not just two, and that there was absolutely no time for color commentary. And he pulls it and he's gone. Right? Our life has completely changed. The pace of life has completely changed. And I don't think anybody in the second pit crew and, and, and the second race car driver would argue that it should stay that, should have gone back in time. Right? Cars are safer now. Their cars are safer. Our technology allows us to do incredible things. The fact, and they would argue that the fact that it only took them, I didn't time it, but like three seconds to do all of that, allows them to do so much more with their time because it didn't take 67 seconds. So I'm not arguing that we go back in time and give up all these things. Rather, what I'm saying is, are we taking advantage of all of the time that we have gained through technology and as the pace of life improves. How many of you, the first thing you do when you get in your car is you turn on Spotify or you turn on a podcast or you turn on your radio? I'm one of those people. My great-great-grandparents rode on horses and had all of the time in the world when they were traveling to think and to talk and to listen, and now we travel in air conditioning fast, vast distances And immediately turn on sound. Immediately turn on things that permeate our life. We need to practice listening. It's not going to happen naturally. It needs to be a discipline. If you want to know more practical steps, I could go on and on and on. But Kevin Meyer already did on his Thrive message on slowing. And that would be a great, go back to January and listen to that on slowing if you want practical tips on how to do that. Number one, we need to listen as a discipline. Number two, we need to listen to God's word. We need to listen as a discipline. We need to listen to God's word. Um, Could I have, is there a volunteer who is not afraid to come up on stage uh, and and do something with me? Otherwise, I'll make you all do it. All right, Caleb, come on up. Thank you. Caleb Dunwin's coming up. 
Thanks, Caleb. There you go. You're going to need that. You have no idea why I brought you up here, do you? No. Good. I'm going to play a sound clip. I want you to identify the voice. Imagine a church that does whatever it takes to serve the West Metro in the name of Jesus. George Clooney? (laughs) (laughs) All right, who is it? Kevin Meyer. Kevin Meyer. How do you know that that is Kevin Meyer? Because I grew up listening to him. Because you've grown up listening to him. Have you heard him say that phrase before? Yes. What Do you know by chance what that phrase is? Is it our church's mission? Vision. 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 There you go. Yeah, absolutely. It's something you've heard from somebody you've heard, right? All right, I have one more I want you to listen to. Imagine a church that does whatever it takes to serve the West Metro in the name of Christ. All right, who's that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) How can you not know who that is? Uh, Because... I'll tell you who it is. That is the, so some of you might not know this about me. I substitute bus drive for the Delano School District. That is the school bus dispatcher. How do you not recognize that voice? I don't know. I I should have (laughs) known. You should have known. Thank you, Caleb. There you go. How could Caleb have known that voice? He's never heard that voice before. I have heard that voice a hundred times. Right? Do you want to know what God is saying to you? You need to get in God's word. You need to learn to recognize the voice of God. I would argue that many times what we want God to say to us, he has already said to us in his word, and we just haven't taken the time to hear his voice and to learn what his voice says. John 10, 3-4 says this, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you want to hear God's voice? Practice hearing his voice. Practice listening to what he says. Learn to discern between the voice of God and those internal, lying, deceiving voices in your head that tell you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not capable enough, that you're not loved. Learn to hear the voice of God by getting into his word and know what he already says to you. Going back to to the, the Deuteronomy passage, the Shema, In Israel's history, they were coming out of Egypt, which was a pluralistic, pantheistic society that worshipped many gods and was willing to add a god to their pantheon. And they were leaving there, and they were moving into the land of Canaan, which was a pluralistic, pantheistic society willing to add more gods to their pantheon. And, And so... So here is Israel in between these two societies and God tells them the Shema, the thing they need to know, the one truth they need to focus on. And so the Shema became the thing that they would say every morning and say every night before they went to bed to remind themselves of this truth. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That became the thing they needed to latch onto so that they could learn to distinguish between the lying, deceiving voices of the world around them and the truth of God. 
And so my question for you is, what is the Shema that you need to apply to your life? What is it that God needs you to know in your world right now? What is that truth that you need to hear that's in opposition to all the lies the world is telling you? Hear, O Bruce, the Lord is love. Hear, O Bruce, the Lord is just. Hear, O church, the Lord is good. What is your Shema? What is that truth that you need to latch onto to begin to distinguish between God's voice and the deceit of the world? And the only way you're going to be able to identify that is if you're spending time in God's word. Number one, listening is a discipline. Number two, we need to listen to God's word. Number three, we need to listen in prayer. Listen in prayer. Prayer is a conversation, not a list. If I were to come up to you, and, and, and can I, I'm going to pick on you. Thanks. Um, you don't get a choice. Um, and I, I would love for you to tell me about your Memorial Day weekend. I mean, we've had a good weekend so far. My wife had to work on Friday, but I was home with the girls. It was, it was, and Darren and Marie are off of school, so they were home, and we went to the park. And, and Saturday, we went back to the park because we'd forgotten our swimming suits on Friday, so we went swimming on Saturday instead. We spent some time at home reading. It was good. And today, I had to preach, so that's kind of throwing a wrench into our weekend. But this afternoon, we'll spend some time together. And then tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to the, uh, the Memorial Day service um, out in uh, Long Lake at 1030, and then we'll probably I'll go to a party after that. And anyway, wish you would have told me about your weekend. <laughs> How often do we do that when we pray? We go to God and we give him our laundry list of this is what's going on in my life. This is what I'm concerned about. This is what I would like to happen. And we walk away and we wonder why God isn't speaking to us. When we pray, are we in conversation or are we reciting a list? Are we hearing and taking time as we pray to listen? Matthew 6, 5 through 7 says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they, will think, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Prayer isn't about being heard. Prayer isn't about being seen. Prayer is about taking time to get on the same page with God. Prayer is about putting ourselves in a position to know what God is doing and to get involved in it. Prayer needs to be a conversation, not a laundry list. Are you taking time when you pray to be quiet and listen? And if you, and, and the other thing that I've learned in my life is, is I also need to take time to review what God has already done. If you're not a journaler, maybe that means you need to journal. Um, if you're not a person who keeps track of things, maybe you need to learn. Look back on your life and, and you'll find, I do, that when I look back, I realize what God has already done, Right? But oftentimes we miss what God has done. We miss what God is doing because we never take the time to look back and see what he has done. We go through our list of prayer requests. We go through all these things and never circle back to see if God has answered them. And so then when we're, they're answered, we move on and don't give God the credit. When you pray, are you taking time to listen and review and think about what God has done? If you were to journal the things that you've prayed about, I think you would be surprised to see how many times God has already moved. Or we can take the story of Elijah from 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. The Lord said, go out and stand 
on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's not in the loud. It's not in the flashy. And when he hears the quiet whisper, he walks out and he stands in the presence of the Lord and he listens. The first thing Elijah does when he walks out there is he covers his face and he listens. Are we taking the time to listen? Isaiah 30, 21 says this, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. But you can't hear that voice if you're not listening. Listening as a discipline, listen as you read God's word, listen as you pray, and then listen as you share. Lastly, tied up in the need to listen is the need to share. Many of you have probably heard it said, you teach what you know. The converse to that I have found is also true. You know what you have to teach. I have never studied so hard in my life as when I was in college and found out I had to give a presentation the next day on something I was already supposed to know. Right? You find out you have to teach that thing that you, you, you are supposed to know and then you cram. And then you truly understand it. And then you take the time to learn it. And I would argue Sharing is part of what we need to do. We need to begin to share what God is doing if we want God to continue to do in our life. Maybe part of the reason that you're not hearing from God is that he has poured into you and poured into you and poured into you and you are not pouring out on those around you. And how can you overflow? How can he keep pouring, you, pouring into you if you're not willing to overflow onto those around you? We need to share. Romans 10, 13 through 15. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We are called to share what God is doing in our life. And that does not mean you need to have all of the answers. It doesn't mean you need to launch into some theological treatise. It doesn't mean you need to know how to answer all their questions. It does mean that if God does something in your life, you are obligated to share it with those around you. If somebody doesn't know the Lord, share it with them in the hopes that they'll ask questions. If somebody does, share it so that they can celebrate with you what God is doing and so that they can look at you and say, I'm hearing the same thing. We need to share what God is doing. One of my favorite passages, stories from the New Testament, from the life of Paul, is when he is standing before, and this is where I'm going to end this morning, is when he's standing before the provincial governor Festus. And, and so Paul in his life, he, he used to persecute Christians. He's now preaching. Instead, he's, he's come to know Jesus. He's now preaching and sharing the gospel. And he's come under persecution because of that. And he's been thrown in jail. As a Roman citizen, he appealed to Caesar, basically saying, I want Caesar to hear my case and only Caesar. And he had the right to do that. And so they were going to send him to Rome. And here's Festus, the pro- provincial governor. And he calls in King Agrippa and, and says to him, This guy's appealed to Caesar and I need to send him there, but I don't know what to write for charges. King Agrippa, why don't you come over and hear his story, hear him out, and and help me write up these charges. 
So Paul finds himself in the unique position where he is going to stand before two significant leaders of the province and he can say whatever he wants and whatever he says most likely will be written down and given to Caesar. And, and I love this story because you would expect Paul to get up there and recite Romans. He already wrote it. You'd, you'd expect him to re- recite Galatians or Corinthians or something else that he's written, something on the doctrine of sanctification or grace by faith or anything like that. And instead we read in Acts 26 that he stands up and he says this, on one of those journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who, are you, who you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. He shares his testimony. Paul gets up and he says, this is what God has done in my life. This is what God will continue to do in my life. And I'm going to continue to share what God has done and what God will do in my life. Part of our call to listen to God and hear his voice is to share what God is doing. Share with others. Listening is a discipline. We need to listen to God's word. We need to listen in prayer. And we need to listen as we share. I am... uh, in a, in a minute, we're going to ask the ushers to come forward to take the Caring Fund offering. But as they do, I'm going to close in prayer, and then we'll move on to the Caring Fund. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for how you're already at work. God, we thank you for how you already speak to us. And Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to converse with you and to hear what you are saying to us. So Father, we ask that you would speak to us. And God, we pray and, and promise to you that we will take the time to listen. Pray this in your name. Amen.